welcome again to Change Your Mind About You, where we are on a journey together to awaken to our true identity. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, and today we're going to discuss the Great Commandment and why it is so difficult for us to keep. We've all heard the command to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus taught it as part of the greatest commandment in the law. In fact, nearly all of the world's religions have made this command part of their belief system in some form. Yet, what we see in the world is persistent conflict, wars, poverty, depression, sickness, violence, suffering, and death among individuals, families, and nations. We're witnessing the destruction of our beautiful planet Earth in the forms of polluted air and water, deforestation, soil erosion, industrial waste contamination, and poor sanitation. Our cities have become overcrowded with housing shortages and nagging traffic problems. Individuals and communities are suffering financially and find it difficult to make ends meet. All of this puts additional stress on our bodies, which makes us more susceptible to illness. As we make this assessment of our world, we have to conclude that even though we have all committed to memory this command to love our neighbor as ourselves, we find it difficult or near impossible to keep consistently. Because if we did keep it consistently, the world would be a much better place than it currently is. So the question is, if we know this command and recognize that keeping it consistently benefits us, why do we have such difficulty in keeping it? Well, let's logically look at this problem now. The command says to love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor as yourself, you must first accept such love for yourself before you can give the same love to your neighbor. After all, you can only give what you have first received, right? So if you do not love yourself, how can you possibly love your neighbor? My friends, I contend that the reason we don't love our neighbor consistently is because we do not love ourselves. And because we do not love ourselves, the world is in the condition it is in. So how do we change that? Well, the obvious answer is to first learn to love ourselves. So how do we begin to do that? First, by recognizing that our current behavior is destructive. And how do we come to recognize that our current behavior is destructive? By trusting the truth of the feedback we're receiving from the outside world as interpreted by our feelings. But in response to that, I can hear many say in defense of our current conditions, hold on just a minute. 
We see our outside world. We see our environmental destruction. We see deforestation, soil erosion, and trash being dumped in our oceans. We're acting on these problems. In terms of personal and collective health, we're investing in new technologies and developing new products and treatments in an effort to cure diseases. We're investing in more housing to address the housing shortages in cities and improve our infrastructure to ease congestion and make for better service. There's a lot we're doing to correct the problems we see. We have recognized that our past behavior has been destructive. We're listening to our feedback system and making changes to improve our world. Yes, in one sense, we are listening. We've made changes with the intent to make life better and improvements have been made in some respects to the outside world but not so much with our inner world. It is here that the problems have gotten worse, and among them, mental illness and suicide. According to a recent report issued by the CDC, quote, overall during the study period, and that period was the year 2000 to the year 2020, the national age-adjusted suicide rate increased by 30% from 10.4 per 100,000 in 2000 to 13.5 in 2020. And, according to an article published in 2022 on health.com, it says there, quote, mental illness has risen in the United States, with about 20% of the people in the country experiencing it in some form. The increase is due to the rise in social media, the COVID-19 pandemic, and societal trends that have resulted in smaller family units and less community involvement. End quote. So the growing problem areas here are relational in nature. We've, we've made improvements to the externals, to our external environment. But the problems that persistently are growing and affecting us negatively are internal problems. We've done an admirable job, again, with improving physical conditions in our outer environment. But our efforts on the relational side, our inner environment, are lagging considerably. It is this relational aspect of living, how we relate to one another, where we need to heed the warnings given by our feedback system, which is our feelings. We simply have to find a better way. Well, making a better way begins with changing our thoughts. To paraphrase an, an age-old proverb, as people think in their heart, so are they. The questions here are, what do you think about? What occupies the bulk of your attention? What is the nature of the input that you allow to enter your mind? My friends, there is a cause 
for every effect. Thought precedes manifestation. Thus, when it comes to our life in both the inner and outer worlds, the truth of the matter is that everything is a thought. Everything is an idea. Do you find that hard to believe? Well, let's look at some concrete examples. If you want to build anything, let's say you want to build a house. What's the very first step in the process? Well, you, the idea to build what you want to build. You say to yourself, I wonder if I can build a house. Or per perhaps you want to be more committed about it and say from the start, I'm going to build a house. Both of those thoughts are ideas that result in manifestation or activity in some form. Oftentimes, that initial idea will begin a chain of related ideas. For our house, what style of house should it be? How large or how small? How many rooms, bedrooms, and bathrooms? Where should I build it? Should I build in the city, the suburbs, or in the country? How much do I want to spend on it? Can I afford to finance it? Do I hire an architect to design it, or do I do the design myself? So there we have a chain of ideas now associated with building our house. These ideas then are further developed as we answer each of those questions. Then we begin the design process. As part of that process, we make drawings of the layout and details to be included in the home construction. So now the house is beginning to take shape, but it's still a drawing and not a home to live in as of yet. It is an idea represented either on paper or in a computer file. The lesson here I'm trying to drive home is this. No matter what you try to produce, whether it be a product or a process, what you really have is not a thing but a collection of ideas represented by the thing that appears outwardly. Now, the same principle, the very same principle, applies to building your life. Everything in our life is an idea. The things you see outside of you are a representation of that collection of ideas. The ideas in your mind are being projected outside of you for you to see. So remarkably, what we then see and call real is nothing more than a projection of our collective thoughts or ideas. It is those projections that constitute our perception of reality. Notice what it says here in A Course in Miracles. We're going to read from the text, chapter 21, in the introduction, the first paragraph and the first five verses of that first paragraph. Quote, Projection makes perception. The world you see is what you gave it. Nothing more than that. But though it is no more than that, it is not less. 
Therefore, to you it is important. It is the witness to your state of mind, the outside picture of an inward condition. End quote. As the Course states, recognizing this is important to us. Why? Because we make the world we see from our own ideas in the same way that we build a house based upon the ideas our mind has generated. So what we see outside of us acts as a feedback loop to plainly see our thoughts being manifested before our eyes. If we like what we see, we're happy. But if we don't like what we see, we suffer. Let's face it, my friends. All of us, all of us want to be happy. We want to live a life filled with abundant joy, to love and be loved, to live a life of perfect health with perfect peace of mind. But do we? If we're honest with ourselves, we have to conclude we're not nearly as happy as we could be. We suffer in and complain about the world we see before our eyes. Yet that world is merely a reflection of the ideas that we hold dear in our minds. As the Course states, the world you see is what you gave it, nothing more than that. For the typical American, such a revelation shocks us to the core, doesn't it? The world we see outside of us is the world we learn to make for ourselves. If that is so, we're not victims of outside circumstances beyond our control like we thought. What we see outside of us is an effect of our ideas, not a cause. Once again, from A Course in Miracles, let's read. This time, same chapter, chapter 21 in the text in the introduction, uh, paragraph 1, this will be verses 6 through 8. Quote, As a man thinketh, so does he perceive. Therefore seek not to change the world, but choose to change your mind about the world. Perception is a result and not a cause. End quote. These verses state both the problem and the solution. The problem is in our thoughts, in particular, our thoughts about ourselves. Remember, the outside world merely reflects back to us our own inward condition. What is our inward condition? Again, A Course in Miracles explains. Uh, this is from paragraph 2 in that introduction of the ch text, chapter 21, verses 7 and 8. Quote, The world you see but shows you how much joy you have allowed yourself to see in you and to accept as yours. And if this is its meaning, then the power 
to give it joy must lie within you. End quote. If depression and suicide are on the rise, which they are, as we read earlier, we as individuals are becoming less happy with ourselves. Such thought translates into lack of love for self, which gets reflected back to us in our relationships in the outside world. That is why we see such heated conflict in our public discourse, along with discord and divisions in our families, communities, and among nations. Such conflicts are a feedback signal coming into our minds. The signal is telling us we are on the wrong track. If we truly want happiness, in peace of mind, that is. The message it is sending us is meant to be a prompt to take action by changing the way that we think. The Bible refers to this changing of the way we think as repentance. And the first step in the process of repentance is the forgiveness of sins. Who sins? First, our own. For when we receive forgiveness by accepting it for ourselves, we are then able to freely offer it to others, for we are then giving as we have received. Forgiving yourself is the recognition that sin is a false idea about yourself. Recognizing that idea as false and thereby discarding it from your mind results in a clarity that demonstrates to you that you are as God created you, in his image and likeness, holy, innocent, and blameless. And since God is love and you are a perfect reflection of him, you perceive yourself as love as well. Once you perceive yourself as love, your inner world has been purified, so your outer world will now reflect back to you the state of your inner world. Then you will no longer see any differences in the outside world, no conflicts, no sickness, no suffering and death, only perfect love, because you have now given to the world what you have indeed received for yourself. And with that said, we will conclude this episode of Change Your Mind About You. Thank you for listening today. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, reminding you that the reason we're unable to love our neighbor as ourselves is because we do not love ourselves. We think of ourselves as sinners worthy of death. That is not love for self. In fact, it is more like hatred. Since ideas do not leave their source, we project that self-hatred outside of us onto others because we can't tolerate seeing it in ourselves. 
so we deceive ourselves into blaming the world for our shortcomings, leaving us with the impression that we're victims of circumstances beyond our control. Thus, we have the conflict-ridden world we see rife with violence, sickness, suffering, and death, which lacks love for both neighbor and self. Since the problem originated in our thoughts, that is where the solution also lies. We must change the way we think, or as the Bible says, repent for the forgiveness of sins. As we let go of our false belief in sin through forgiveness, our vision of both ourselves and our neighbor is clarified in a world of love and peace of mind returns. So with that in mind, and until next time, take good care and be well, my friends. <laughs>